This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. Welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. We have allowed ourselves to become so disconnected and ignorant about something that is as intimate as the food that we eat. Be prepared to grow your own for victory. John said I need somebody strong enough to clear trees and heave bales, yet gentle enough to yean lambs and wean pigs and tend the pink foamed pullets who will stop his mower for an hour to splint the broken leg of a meadowlark. So God made a farmer. Hello and welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. I'm your host, Harold Thornbro, and glad you're joining me today. And what do we have in store for you today? Well, of course, we're going to come at you with our usual homestead updates, and, uh, and we're going to bring some uh, homesteading-relevant news to you. Of course, I'll always talk a little bit about the Front Porch uh, Facebook group, and our main topic of discussion today is going to be raising Caternix quail on the homestead. And, of course, we'll have some recommendations for you and all that good jazz, too. So I think we got a great episode for you today. Uh, let's just jump right off with some homestead updates. Uh, what have I been doing the last couple of weeks? Well, I was sick uh, for about, oh, man, almost two weeks. And I really just got over it. Um, had a horrible cough and everything, but still had a lot of stuff that I had to do. I've uh, been uh, kind of put off pruning the fruit trees a little bit long, but I finally got that done a couple of weeks ago. And... And matter of fact, today I went out and um, I have a, a chipper shredder and I was running all the limbs through that, making some mulch. Um, see, I had to run a new wire to the greenhouse. Here's some, uh, here's a little uh, public service announcement for you folks. Check extension cords. I had a, um, I, when I first put the greenhouse in, I didn't actually run a hard wire to it. I just ran an extension cord to it. It was a good heavy duty uh, outdoor extension cord. Um, it's kind of an expensive one. But it's been out there a year and a half or so in the weather, and and I had it plugged in. Up, we have an outlet at our deck, and I had it plugged in there. And I went out the uh, a couple weeks ago, or I guess it was about yeah about a week and a half ago, and um, went to flip the lights on the greenhouse, and they didn't come on. And uh, so I just started looking around, to see what the problem was, and uh, I actually had a couple rabbits in there, just kind of messing around, hopping around, uh, messing up things in the greenhouse because that's what they do. And um, I was worried one of them chewed a wire or something, but I knew I didn't really have any wires that low to the ground, so I was kind of looking around. But then I started following the extension cord that I had run into the greenhouse, and uh, boy, I got up next to the house and I I looked at the outlet, and that plug on that extension cord had actually got hot and melted. Um, and I was like, Whoa, right up against my house too. So I was kind of nervous about that. And, uh, I decided to get some good, uh, heavy wire and just uh, hardwire the greenhouse in and do it right and get rid of that extension cord stuff. So you keep an eye on those extension cords, folks, when you have them outside, evidently that one just got weathered. It was a good heavy duty extension cord, but you know, they're only good for so long out there in that weather like that. And it was a little hard on it and evidently it, uh, it wore on it. So Boy, that could have been uh, could have been a disaster there, being right up against the house like that. Never kicked a breaker or anything, so that concerned me a little bit. Let's see what else. What else? Oh, uh, check for 
check for the birds you want at Rural King and Tractor Supply. Um, our our Rural King uh, had a sign up, and it said that you know if you don't see the kind of birds you want, uh, let us know. Maybe we can order them. So I just out of curiosity. I asked them if they had Caternix quail or if they could get Caternix quail. And uh, the lady said, yes, but you'd have to order 25 of them. And that was ours. I don't know if all of them could do that, uh, but uh, check with them. Uh, I'm going to be talking about Caternix quail today, and I was curious about that. So you might want to check and see if that's a place where you can get them. Uh, 25 isn't a lot of Caternix quail. They don't take up a lot of space, as we'll talk a little bit about today. So you might want to look into that if you get a chance. Uh, what else? Oh, I don't know. Just regular stuff going on right here. Made a lot of changes to the um, the Homestead Forum membership community. We've been working a lot in there and doing podcasting for that and uh, weekly live videos and, um, and and some other videos. So a lot going on in there. I'll talk more about that at the end of the, uh, the, the episode. Uh, how about some Homestead relevant news? I ran across this article from all places, the Chicago Tribune, and, uh, and it The title was, At Growing Libraries, Patrons Collect Seeds to Grow Fruits, Vegetables, and Flowers. Now, this is, I like this because a lot of libraries are going to this. And I'm talking about public libraries, your book libraries. Um, They actually have seed libraries. A lot of them are doing this. And our local library is doing this as well, where you can go in and check out seeds. And this article is about that going on in Chicago. And uh, really good stuff. Talk a little bit about what what was offered there and how it works, and uh, you know, just exactly what you can do and how many seeds you can get. And I thought it was a really interesting article, and I love I, I just love seeing some awareness being brought to this because uh, it really opens the door up for a lot of people to start doing some gardening. And uh, I like this uh, too. It even talked about said. Surrounding their library is a food forest community garden with apple, apricot, and peach trees, as well as perennial herbs, including mint, chives, and fennel, which will emerge from the soil later in the spring. I thought that was just uh, pretty wild. And uh, and it says the community is invited to harvest the produce when it's ready, uh, the, the person at the library said. So I think that's just fascinating. I, there's some really cool stuff going on out there in the communities. Um, and uh, you know what? You, you can't use the excuse that I can't afford seeds in most places because now you can go to your public library and get some seeds. And I think that's pretty awesome. So take advantage of that if you get a chance. Cause you know, the more people take advantage of that, the more libraries will do it. And, um, and, uh, you know, want to partake in that and offer that and, uh, it'll make it available for a lot more people. I wonder how many people are actually taking advantage of it. I know I've never, uh, participated in the one at my local library. I did go up there and check it out when I f- first got a flyer about it. I thought it was kind of interesting. I just went there and looked at it, but I didn't get anything from it, but I should go up there and look and see if there's anything I'm not growing there that perhaps they have some seeds I could, I could get maybe something more rare or something different. Um, but I think it's pretty cool. So you can check out that article. I'll have a link to that in today's show notes. Today's show notes, by the way, can be found at smalltownhomestead.com forward slash 79 if you want to check out all the notes and the links and stuff I have for today. So what's happening at the Homestead Front Porch? So lots of great things going on there. If you don't know what the Homestead Front Porch is, it's our Facebook group. Um, it's a closed group, but all you have to do to join is ask, and we'll get you right in there. We do ask you a couple questions when you when you sign up to join. 
Answer yes to those. We'll get you right in. And I'll tell you what, it's a great bunch of people. There's about 20, there's a little over 20,000 people in that group now. And it's hopping. And there's just all kinds of great advice flying around in there. So come be a part of the Homestead Front Porch Facebook group if you're not. It's just, we have a good time in there. Lots of knowledgeable folks in there. Lots of newbies in there too, learning, asking great questions. So come be a part of that. Don't let anything keep you out of there. It's a great place to hang out. Okay, our main topic of discussion today. A lot of people have requested this, wanted me to talk about this, and uh, I've I've been kind of putting it off for a while, and I don't even really know why. Um, I guess I wanted to have a little time under my belt raising Caternix quail. I started raising them, oh, it's been maybe a year and a half ago I started raising Caternix quail, and I'll tell you, I love them. I I absolutely love raising quail. And uh, some of the great things about raising Caternix quail uh, one of the things are very low maintenance. I'm surprised at how easy they are to raise. I mean, uh, the, the the rabbits actually take way more care than the, than the quail do. Uh, they take up very little space. I think that's another really big plus to raising Caternus quail. Um, I run, I'm right now I'm raising them in, in cages. I want to talk about some different ways you can raise them later. Uh, I have, I did actually have a bunch of them in my greenhouse uh, for for a while uh, through the winter one time and just letting them run around in there and kick up the mulch on the floor. and They were loving that, but I ended up going to cages. I've got these, uh, the rabbit cages are these 30 by 30, pretty standard rabbit cages. You would find at a Real King or a TSC or some box store, um, 30 inch by 30 inch. And I, I put five quail. I put one rooster and four hens in each cage. Uh, that way I have fertilized eggs and, and they just, they, there seems to be plenty of room for those birds. I mean, they, they're completely happy. Um, they run around, they play, they do things, they make messes. And that's what we'll talk about that in a minute too. Uh, but it's just, uh, they take up a little, very little space. So I think it's a great plus for them. They're a great bird for raising in, uh, in small areas. If you're like in an urban homestead, maybe you have a area in a garage or a shed or something like that. Perfect animal for that. They're fairly quiet. Uh, they do make a, they do make a noise, especially the roosters, uh, they do make a, a, a fairly strange noise, but the bonus is nobody really knows what that noise is. It sounds like some kind of wild bird to a lot of people. They don't really identify the noise. Um, so it's not something that's probably going to get you a lot of attention paid to you. And if you have a lot of roosters, I mean, it could get pretty noisy. I keep about, you know, five to eight roosters at about all times. And it's not that bad. It's really not that loud. So, you know, we, uh, they do make a little bit of noise, but they're fairly quiet. They really are. Uh, I think they are an absolutely great tasting meat and a great tasting egg. Uh, I, I I like them better than chicken, better than rabbit. Uh, granted, you don't get as much per bird. Obviously, they're a small bird, so you need a lot of them to make a to make a decent you know amount of meat in the freezer. But very good tasting, excellent meat. The eggs, same way, very small. But very rich, uh, extremely tasty eggs. I love them uh, so much better than a chicken egg. I really do. Uh, very good. Um, these birds are extremely easy to process. One of the things I really, really love about quail, uh, besides them just being easy to process, is that there's not really a connection there. With rabbits, it's kind of easy to get an attachment to rabbits. It really is. You raise them for a while, and they're you know they're just these fluffy, furry. You know, I don't know. They're just, uh, it's a little easier to get attached to a rabbit. And a little, for some people, especially, it's really hard to kill a rabbit. Some people could never process a rabbit just because they, they can't kill them. Uh, I don't have that problem at all with quail. There's really not a lot of personality there. 
and uh, real easy to process. I'm telling you, when I'm processing these birds, I use a pair of meat shears, and and that's it. I don't use a knife. I just do the rest with my hand. You can actually just, I skin them. So, I mean, I take the head off, and then I just peel off the skin, and then you pull it down and cut off the legs and use your fingers to do the rest, and you can just tear it right off of them real easy, and it's extremely, I can really process one in, in probably less than a minute. I mean, it's that quick and that easy. Um, definitely less than a minute. Uh, so, yeah, real easy to process. Again, less attachment issues. I think that's a huge bonus with these with these animals. Um, so, a lot of bonuses with raising Caternix quail. I do think there's a couple drawbacks, though. They're an extremely messy bird uh their waste i mean they will they'll throw it <laughs> they will they'll throw their food they'll dirty up their water um they're they're very messy birds uh you you can't have anything around them that's going to uh you're going to try to keep clean because they'll just they'll decorate it for you uh, very messy um and the eggs are, are hard to work with uh I, there's a thing called an egg, a quail egg cutter it's a pair of scissors with a little point it's it's got a circle on the end of it and a little point and you slice it and they'll take the top of the egg off you got to have one of those i mean it just makes everything so much easier with these little eggs because they're so hard to work with with your fingers that these quail egg cutters will just make it a lot easier um they uh they are hard to work with though it takes about four eggs uh, to make a, a regular chicken egg, so but they're they're fantastic eggs, but boy, hard boiling them and trying to peel them that's a challenge. I did uh, come across a little uh, tip on that though. Uh, if you don't mind a little bit of a a white vinegar taste, if you'll soak the eggs in like a quart jar filled with white vinegar and leave them in there for a few hours, uh, you can peel. The, it, it basically takes the hard part of the shell off the hard of the boiled egg, and it just leaves this like a rubbery film kind of on the egg and that comes off real easy so that's a good way to, to peel the eggs and it's a lot easier and a lot better but you do get a little bit of that white vinegar taste into the egg it does soak into the egg just a little bit i didn't really it didn't really bother me but you know for some people that that might not be good um some facts about raising quail the egg incubation is 17 days they reach full size in six to seven weeks that's about a on the caternus quail that's about a 10 to 12 ounce bird and they start laying at seven to eight weeks. So basically, eight weeks, you got a full-grown bird that's laying eggs. It's pretty awesome. I mean, it's it's a pretty fast turnaround. If you're just raising them for meat, that's that's a really quick turnaround. It's quicker than rabbit. Um, some people do butcher their their rabbits at at eight weeks. Um, I go about twelve to fourteen weeks on mine because they're a little slower gro- growing. But I feed them a little bit more naturally. I don't feed them you know feed that's uh, super high in protein. I give them more natural feeds and fodder and things like that and, and, and forage, um, which does tend to, to grow them a little slower, but the quail extremely fast growing. Um, when you're incubating them, you're going to run want, want to run your temperature between 99 and hundred degrees and the humidity between 50 and 60%. They're going to do real well. They, they don't have a super high hatch rate. My experience on the hatch rates, probably around 60%. So it's a little low, but you know, it's, it's, acceptable i find it acceptable for what i'm doing um and when you're when you're brooding quail you know you do you want to keep them in the brooder until they're fully feathered uh you want to kind of it's it's similar to chickens you know you, you want to decrease the brooder temperature by about five degrees a week to help them adjust um you want to feed uh them the uh w- now i do go with a dull cheaper uh feed from a feed store uh once they're full grown but when they're growing 
I will feed them that Mana Pro Game Bird. It's that Game Bird Showbird feed that you get in the five pound bags, like TSC. Um, and I'll feed them that until they're about six weeks old at least before sweep, switching to a, a cheaper, lower protein feed because it just they seem to grow really well on that and it gives them a good boost right off the bat. Um, let's talk a little bit about the housing the quail because this is what a lot of people are interested in. It's like, where do you keep them? And I've already told you I keep mine in cages, but I do think an aviary is a great place to keep them. If you've got the room and you've got some kind of a building you can do this with, um, building an aviary is 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 a really good way to raise them um, it's a large enclosure made for confining birds and unlike cages you know aviaries uh, allow the birds a, a larger living space they could fly around a little bit they're you know aviaries are often known as flight cages that because they fly around a little bit and you know also often aviaries uh, will contain plants and shrubbery you know and the birds love that they'll fly into it and make nests under it and you know they'll kind of lay under it and, and do what birds do you know um, they'll hide out in it and uh, they'll be a way more natural environment for them but i do raise mine in cages and i told you i, I use the, the 30 inch cages and you know uh, i think the, the rule is one bird per square foot on, on average, uh, you know, they're really comfortable at that. Some people do run them a little tighter than that. And they're actually, they do pretty well. Now they will start fighting. If you get too many in a cage, <laughs> they will. I, I have seen that when mine were real little and, you know, and I'd be growing, uh, growing them. I, of course I keep more in a cage at that point. And then if you leave them in there a little too long, you'll see some fights and they can be pretty brutal to each other. So you want to get them thinned out pretty quick. Um, what other equipment are you going to need to raise quail? It's it's just about like raising chickens. Um, you're going to need feeders, of course. There's the round ones or the long ones. A lot of people will actually design a a feeder that hooks on the outside of a cage. And I've often thought about doing this because there are because they are so messy, um, where they actually have to stick their head through a, a, a slot in the cage to to get their head into the feeder. That way, they can't kind of sling their head back and forth. Uh, and throw the feed around because they are so bad about it. But I use little round feeders that I just kind of set in there, little round chicken feeders. And, you know, I just have to stay on top of it and keep them cleaned up. And um, I kind of keep them back in one corner so not too many of them can, you know, climb all over it and make a big mess on them. Uh, of course, you're going to need a water. A lot of people use the automatic drinking cups for quail. And I don't, but I've seen people use them and they work really, really well. Um, I, I use a I use a regular uh, water base, the round ones that you screw like a quart jar on or or whatever. Um, I use that, and but they actually make one that's for quail. It's a little bit uh, thinner around the edge um, for when uh, the ones for chickens are a little bit wider and uh, have hold a little bit more water at one time. But the ones for quail are quite a bit thinner, and you'll see those at your box stores as well. So they, they work really well. Again, you have to clean it a couple times a day. I, I'm usually morning and evening. I go out there and slosh it around, clean it, get some fresh water in it because they are messy. They really are a messy bird. Um, I also keep some small uh, pans in there for dust baths. You know, I, I actually just purchased some little pans at Walmart for like a dollar. Uh, they're just little metal pans, and uh, they do love their dust baths, let me tell you. They, they'll they they'll they'll jump in there and <laughs> make a bigger mess yet. So you, you, you've heard the theme here, right? <laughs> Quail are messy. Um, 
but I keep them in a place where it really just doesn't matter. I collect their waste underneath of them, and anything that hits the ground is in going into a compost pile. I mean, it's kind of wasteful. They do go through a little bit, but that is one of the bonuses of raising them in an aviary. If they sling their feet around, it's landing on the ground, and guess what? They're just going to eat it off the ground. That's their natural process anyway. And when I had them in the greenhouse, I know I noticed I didn't use half as much feed because that's what they would do. They'd sling it around out of the bowl, uh, out of the feeder, but it just landed on in the mulch. And then they would just pick through the mulch and you scratch around in it and pick it out. So they didn't need near as much feed. They didn't go through near as much. So I think aviaries are, are a great way to go. And if I had the room to do it, I would probably raise them that way. I really would. Uh, let me talk a little bit about the quail eggs. Again, three to four quail eggs equal an average size chicken egg. I think it's closer to four, definitely four. And if, you know, if they're given supplemental light, just like a chicken, Coturnus quail can lay 200 to 300 eggs per year. Uh, they do slow down in the wintertime without the supplemental light, but mine did pretty good. Even I just have a little bit of light coming in there and they did really good. They kept laying through the winter when I had them in the winter. There's some uh, great articles out there about the health benefits of quail eggs. Now, I included that link in the uh, the show notes, and I won't get a lot into it, except for to tell you that uh, there is a lot of health benefits to quail eggs. And like I said, the link is in the show notes. You ought to go check it out if you're interested in the eggs, because uh, there's a lot of benefits to quail eggs, and they are they are healthier than chicken eggs in a lot of ways. They have a lot of nutrition that chicken eggs don't even have. So um, definitely for the nutrition factor, quail eggs are are worth getting. And, but I also think you do want to get a quail egg cutter if you're going to raise quail and, and eat the eggs because those eggs are just near impossible to work with without it. And that makes it a lot better. Again, processing the quail, very, very easy. Uh, I'll include a link uh, to a video also in the show notes of someone dispatching and processing a quail. I've never videoed myself doing it. It's again, super easy process. I've, there's nothing I've ever processed easier than a quail. I, I mean that really nothing extremely easy to, to process. Um, if you've ever, if you've ever processed doves, like I used to do some dove hunting when I was younger, uh, it's similar to that. It, it's very similar to that. Um, so, I mean, if you've ever done that, then it's about like processing a quail, but extremely easy. So I just think there's so many benefits to raising quail. Great animal to raise, especially if you're in that urban environment. I think it could be a, the kind of the kind of bird you might want to raise instead of chickens. Do I think chickens are great? I absolutely do. Would I choose chickens over quail? If I had to pick just one, possibly. I'm in an urban environment, so quail work out better. But if if, if it wasn't for that, I might go with chickens over quail just because there are some other benefits. But, um, for example, quail aren't near as good at uh, doing work for you. And what I mean by that is like tearing down compost piles and things like that. Uh, chickens will actually do labor for you. Caternix quail do a little bit of that. They'll scratch around, throw some stuff around, but nothing like a chicken, not anything like a chicken. So there's some benefits to, to chickens that um, that quail don't have. And if you're looking for personality, Caternix quail don't have a lot. <laughs> they really don't. Uh, so, you know, uh, again, there's they have their benefits. They have a few drawbacks. Again, messy, messy birds. When I first got them, I was like, oh my goodness, I don't know. I actually had them in my garage at first. When I very first brought some home, I had them in my garage and they were just, I mean, all around their cages, it was just a disaster. <laughs> I was like, wow, these are some messy little birds. It kind of reminded me when I was a kid, uh, my mom and dad raised a lot of exotic birds and uh, they would do a lot of parrots and things. Well, they, they bought this one bird 
called a minor bird. And the parrots and stuff weren't never too bad. We got this minor bird. Uh, this thing was horrible. This thing would make the biggest messes. It was like, it would try to see how far it could sling its crap and its food <laughs> outside that cage. And it did do pretty good. <laughs> it gets a pretty good distance, let me tell you. That's how Caternus quail are to me. They are some messy little boogers. But if you got them in a place where that doesn't matter, like I do now, it, it doesn't matter. And I noticed when I had them in the, um, in the greenhouse on mulch, they kept the mulch pretty stirred up and covered up their waste really well. I didn't even notice an issue in there because it was, you know, a pretty good size area for the few birds I had. And um, I didn't even notice. That's why I think aviaries are a great way to go. So if you're considering another livestock for your homestead, uh, I think Caternus quail make a fantastic bird to have. And I think you should think about getting them. Uh, again, you can check with your local feed store. They might be able to get them for you. If not, Craigslist is where I originally bought mine from a local person uh, that had, had them. But you can order the eggs and, and hatch them yourself. Uh, you can actually order quail. Uh, they're pretty expensive to buy quail online. But uh, I think when I bought mine, I got uh, they were like four-week-old birds when I originally got them. And I think I paid $1.50 or $2 a piece, something like that, for them. So it was a good start, and then after that point, you can start uh, incubating your own eggs and uh, keep them going. I mean, you're going to get a lot of eggs, so you can just take a few and you know throw them in there and, and, and hatch a few and, and keep, the, keep the process going and uh, continue to raise them. Um, today's recommendation uh, it goes right along with this today. I'm going to leave um, a link in the show notes for a YouTube uh, series. It's, it's a playlist. And it's Jack Spearco's quail aviary build on YouTube. He actually built a quail aviary, and he documented it through a few videos, and there's a playlist of the process of him building that. And I'll leave a link to that in the show notes. That's Jack Spearco from the Survival Podcast, if you've never heard of him or don't, don't listen to that. Uh, the videos are, this video series is really good, and it's, it's again, it's a it's something you should think about if you have the room and 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 the time to build an aviary because I think the quail are happier in that in that environment, and I think they're easier to raise in that environment. So you check out that uh, aviary build. Now he's made some changes to that and actually turned it into a aquaponics garden uh, with the quail in there uh, since he done these videos. But still, really good videos on how to build a quail aviary. So check them out, and I think that uh, I think you'll see that and think, wow, that's what I want to do, and it's what I'd like to do too if I had the room. But uh, since I don't. I'm doing a few cages and I tell you what, you can stack those cages and that works really well too. Now that I raise them in cages now, I don't have the trays under those cages because they come with that plastic tray because I just let it fall down into a compost pile where I'm vermicomposting. But when I had them in my garage, I actually had those, those catch pan trays underneath the, um, the cage. Well, they don't fill up that fast. It's really not that bad to do that. You will get some smell like that. Uh, I kept some uh, wood chips in there to kind of soak things up, but you will get more sp smell uh, from the trays. But uh, I, I like to let it just fall right through the cage and into a compost pile and then collect it up or use it for vermicomposting or put it in another compost pile and then, you know, compost it uh, thoroughly. But a lot of different ways you can do it. But aviary is a great way to do it too with some mulch. So there we have it today, folks. I, I think that it was a quick and easy one. There's not a lot I can tell you about raising Caternix quail other than it's easy. I mean, it really is. I haven't had any disease issues. I haven't had a lot of deaths. I think I've maybe lost two in a year and a half. And uh, 
they're just sudden deaths that I don't even know what happened. So it just, you know, I, I never really even knew what happened when they died. So it's not, it's not a bird with a lot of losses. It's, it's easy to raise, not a lot to it. Extremely, uh, easy livestock. And if you're looking for an easy one, I can't think of one any better. And as much as I love raising rabbits, they're a lot more work than Caternix quail are. They really are. So there you have it, folks. Caternix quail in a nutshell gets you some if you have the room or the time or want to do it. Uh, thank you all for listening to this podcast. Hey, I really appreciate those last week who uh, jumped in and sent in a few audio clips to kind of help me uh, get a podcast out last week because I didn't want to go two weeks without one, and I was just kind of... It isn't that I felt really, really bad, but boy, I was having some coughing fits that were just unreal. It probably took me three hours to record a half-hour podcast. So, I appreciate everybody that that uh, sent in a uh, sent in an audio clip for last week's podcast episode. I really appreciate that. It really helped out. And uh, hey, if you want more of the Modern Homesteading podcast, or you just really like it, consider joining our Homestead Forum membership community. It's uh, it's real inexpensive, and it helps us keep this thing going. And uh, you get a lot extra. Uh, it ain't just you giving me money. I used to uh, take donations through Patreon. And there, you know, people would give a little bit of money and, and they didn't really get anything extra. Well, with this membership community, you get a lot extra. You get an extra podcast every week. You get a live discussion chat once a week. There's other videos in there. There's discounts from uh, from other businesses on homesteading-related items. Um for an example, if you're looking to get some comfrey on your homestead, I mean, we're almost in that time of the year. Uh, Marsh Creek Farmstead uh, is offering a 20% discount for members of that community. Uh, that right there, if you order enough comfrey, could uh, pay for your membership. Uh, the membership is $2.99 a month or $29 a year. Uh, very affordable, and you get a lot of extra stuff, and there's more stuff going in every day. We have a forum where you can get in there and interact. We have a private Facebook group where you can interact in there. Uh, a lot of stuff going on. So I hope you'll come be a part of the Homestead Forum membership community. And it goes a long way to supporting this podcast and help us do more things better. Um, also, I appreciate those who've left an iTunes review or review in other places. It means a lot to me. It really does. And I love seeing that. It's really encouraging. And I thank you for doing that. Again, the show notes for this episode can be found at smalltownhomestead.com forward slash 79. Thanks for joining me this week, folks. Happy homesteading, and God bless. Thanks for listening. To see the show notes for this podcast or listen to other podcast episodes, go to smalltownhomestead.com. There you can also read our blog, connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Google+, and take advantage of the many resources we make available to help you along in your homesteading journey. Please share this podcast and help us to carry out our mission of helping others to homestead today for a better tomorrow.